Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Puckheads. I'm your host, Phil Razor, and we are once again presented by Beerly Sports. Just so everybody knows before I introduce the other guys, we are back down to one a week. There are not enough games for us to keep up with the content, but it'll be a little more in-depth now. So let us know what you think about that at Beerly Hockey on Twitter. Tell us if you like that or if you want us to keep going and doing more game time breakdowns. We are certainly open to suggestions. That being said, I am once again joined by the nuisance, Nate McBride, and the antagonist, Aaron Kinney. Nate, we'll start with you, my friend. How are we doing tonight? What are we drinking? How are we feeling going into these conference finals? Man, first of all, going into these conference finals, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm going back on fucking tour. I'm getting sent back out for, like, my third tour of duty, like, just dropping in on the chopper. Here we go again, boys. Fucking another fucking round. Doing great tonight. We're rocking a little Texas lager. The four sixes grit and glory. Mm. God damn, I wish I had had time to go out and find a beer as cool as that. Everything around my house is just dog shit, big box American beer. So, hell, not to, hell yeah, brother. Not to hell steal yeah, your, uh, your intro thunder here, Phil, but I'm drinking a Coors Light again. Uh, I'm going to do some soul searching this weekend and see if I can get something a little more creative for the next pod, though. But, boys, I'm not feeling deployed from the chopper. I am fucking flying high above it. I am so excited for this Dallas-Vegas series. I cannot fucking wait to see these squads go up against each other. I think these are the two best teams in the West. I think the right teams won all the rounds. Uh, The East has been an absolute surprise on all fronts, I feel like just with Carolina with the injuries and Florida with all the upsets, but that's going to be an exciting series too. Very evenly matched teams over there. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you that, Aaron. I do think Edmonton had the hype. I think, you know, up front, they are the best team in the West, but I think from top to bottom, they're absolutely not. Boys, before we... Wait, just to touch on Edmonton, because I'm sure we're going to do a post-mortem on them at some point here tonight, but they had me fucking fooled, man. Like, they looked like a solid team heading up through, like, the stretch run and even the first round of the playoffs, but then it was the same old fucking Oilers. Two guys and a whole shitload of passengers. Well, buddy, we'll fucking touch on it when we talk about how the Western Conference teams got there. But, yeah, I'm with you, and absolutely, and Oilers fans might as well just tune out now. Boys, life is a beach, and I'm just playing in the sand. You know what I'm saying? I'm rocking Coronas tonight, boys. You got a lime in that bitch, Phil? I actually don't because I ran out. Uh... <laughs> I know. I ran out. So they're limeless. So I'm just raw dogging these Coronas like an absolute degenerate. But Hell yeah. Real this, al- this also serves as my pregame because, boys, I'm going to go to a Hurricanes watch party after this. And I think we should start with the Eastern Conference. And you know what? We'll start with the Carolina Hurricanes because we I just said them out loud and let's talk about them. Boys, the Carolina Hurricanes are back in the Eastern Conference Final for the first time since 2019. Majority same team, but not entirely same team. This team would not be who they are without Brent Burns for sure. Some different attendees will hop into it. But I do want to say, going into this, in this playoffs, uh, they took care of the Islanders in six in the first round. Excuse me. And uh, they made quick work in round two, winning that series in five games as well. They've only played 11 games so far. I don't think rust is going to be a factor going into this by any stretch of the imagination. But they've made quick work out of their opponents. They should have had the Islanders done in 5-2. Um, you know, they dispatched the Devils like they didn't even fucking exist in reality. Besides the 8-4 Devils win, which we've talked about, you know, they took care of New Jersey. No problem. Sebastian Ajo leads the team right now. Tied for the lead. He has 10 points, five tucks, five apples. Uh, hilarious enough, he's tied with Jordan Martinuk. So who had that one on the bingo card? He also has 10 points going into the series. I think the big thing for me, and I could list the stats up and down, you know, the ledger here. Uh, Nietzsche led the team in points in the regular season. He has six, including four tucks. So he's, he's producing. But the big thing for Carolina for me right now, in terms of the offensive standpoint, is they're getting depth scoring and they're getting Taravine in back for game one tonight. That's so they're huge. just adding they're adding into that. They've remained healthy throughout playoffs. All of their big contributors have played all eleven games, so no sussies, no injuries. They've been great. 
their big thing has been, and they're getting great contributions from the blue line. Brent Burns is playing like a man possessed. But Freddie Anderson is 5-0 and with a 931 save percentage going into this series. Freddie Anderson's been a goddamn you know revelation for this team. Anthony Ronto was good, 3-2. and He was okay, but as soon as they inserted Freddie, bam. This team just looks like an entirely different unit with him back there. Um, the defense plays better when he's in net, I feel like, and he makes them look better too. But up and down the lineup, Carolina's been getting a lot of depth scoring. They've dispatched the first two teams. I wouldn't say with relative ease with the Islanders, but easy enough. And then in the series, they needed to get over quickly if they wanted to have a chance going into the next round. They took care of the New Jersey Devils. Boys, this team looks like a team that, on paper, should have been dead and buried, if not round one, round two. But they're here, and they got a matchup that may not be perfect on paper for them, but the Carolina Hurricanes kill penalties at 90%, and the Florida Panthers only kill penalties at 65%. So they're a lot, in terms of in playoffs, these are all just playoff stats for people listening. We're not doing regular season anymore. Throw all that shit out the window now. Yeah, we got a big enough sample size now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like the Carolina Hurricanes going into the series. I think it's going to be an absolute fucking gong show. But I like what they're doing. And with the addition of Tara Vinen, it might throw off the rhythm a little bit. But I do think this team, top to bottom, has it. The spine is good. They kill penalties like nobody else's business. And Freddie Anderson can't have a better penalty kill than a hot tendy. And they have that right now. So, Nate. I know you're going to talk about the Florida Panthers, but I'm going to throw it over to you. Do you have any concerns? I'm, I'm Panthers guy. He's oh, the sorry. Panthers guy, buddy. That's right. My bad. Nate, I'm going to throw it to you anyways first because I want you to tell me what your biggest pro and your biggest con for the Carolina Hurricanes are going into the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, my biggest pro? Well, I, I think there's two things. One, you're getting TiVo, TiVo Teravine back. That's going to be huge, uh, you know. Depending on how you know what percentage he is, but still, he's a he's a factor nonetheless. If he's if he's coming back, that means he can shoot the puck. That means he can be a force of, that is to be reckoned with out on the ice. Um, and you've got him right. It looks I'm looking at it right now. It looks like they're going to have him on the third line with Stahl and Natchez. So, um, which mind you, that's their third line that I'm showing right here in front of me. Um, you know, that's probably like a line 2A, 2B, but uh, the other one being Martinook, Kakanyemi, and Faust. Uh, the other one, really, or my other pro for them, just the depth. I mean, this team top to bottom is deep as hell. They're big and they're physical. That is a that is something to be reckoned with, man. This is going to be a tough one for Florida. Um, not saying anything against Tampa or, sorry, uh, Toronto or Boston, but Carolina is just bigger and I think a little meaner. Yeah, they I... Also, they, also have like, they also have less expectations. Toronto and Boston, you know, you could argue they crumpled under pressure. Carolina doesn't have any pressure. There's no pressure on the Carolina Hurricanes to win this series other than what they put on themselves. Because yeah. there's no, you know, the media scrutiny... It's not 800 people coming at you from every different angle asking Hampus Lindholm if he's healthy. We found out that he's not. You know, guys like that that have no points in seven games for the Bruins. That shit doesn't happen in Carolina, man. It doesn't exist here yet. No. Even, though, even though Carolina's won a cup, and they've lost a few Easter Conference finals. You know, they've had success in a relatively short history, but that pressure just doesn't apply the same in Raleigh, North Carolina, as it would in Boston, and certainly not as in Toronto. Aaron, what were you going to say? So, I... This is actually going to kind of build on what you were saying with the pressure, Phil. Um, Carolina really, like in the Rod Brindamore era, they have completely revitalized that place. That that arena is packed every night now. They And they were considered contenders really throughout the entire season up until all these injuries hit. And then all the doubts started to creep in. And now all this depth is starting to show in the lineup. Uh, you were talking about that third line, Nate. That is Rod Brindamore's favorite line. It's he he deploys those guys against whoever is most dangerous on the other team and getting Tara Vinen back it's no longer just a defensive line now it's got some playmaking talent like Natchez is good he led the team in uh, scoring throughout the regular season but Tara Vinen just has that extra gear to stick handle in really tight space to escape tough areas in the offensive zone and keep plays alive and I think that's going to be a huge shot in the arm for this team 
that stall line is going to be the difference in this series, I believe, because Florida's got a couple really good lines, but if they deploy that stall line out against Kachuk's line and shut him down, man, Florida is really going to struggle to find offense, not just against those guys, but against that defense too. Carolina's defense is so goddamn good. Freddie Anderson, he's got good numbers. He's making the saves he's supposed to make, but that defense really came together after those first few games against the Islanders and just completely eliminated that space in front of the net. And that's where Florida feasted against Boston and Toronto. The Panthers, man, they're on this Cinderella run. They have been really, really tough to play against, but they've played two teams that, honestly, everyone was picking Boston in the first series. I, I said I would be surprised if Florida came within a goal of winning a game. But all the injuries that Boston was plagued with, Hampus Lindholm playing with a broken foot, no wonder that guy didn't look like a shell of himself in that series. You had Bergeron with, like, uh, I forget what he even had. It was a terrible injury. It, I think it was back, maybe. And, was it a, yeah, like a hip flexor, too, or God knows. Yeah, dude, he probably had, like, a laundry list of stuff. That, that Boston team looked like a complete shell of itself. Even the games that they won were tight games, and they kind of needed some magic in the end to make them happen. And Florida just, they came in waves. They forechecked aggressively. They have done their damage in this postseason by taking advantage of teams that were sloppy in their own end. And that Carolina is not. Carolina is the tightest defensive team. They're smart. They're responsible. They chip the puck out if there's not an obvious play to be made. They're not Toronto Maple Leafs defense going D to D, dipsy doodling around in their own end looking for a stretch pass. It's it's going to be a complete different animal for them to face Carolina. Carolina does everything that Florida has done to get to this point, but they do it better. Although I will say Florida does have more elite scoring talent on their team. So 100%. It's, it's going to be interesting 100%. to see how these guys match up. Um, one other thing, and then I'll let I'll throw it over to Nate here. Um, you mentioned the power play and the penalty kill, Phil. Yeah. Yes, Carolina's penalty kill is far better than Florida's penalty kill, but Florida's power play is also far, far better than Carolina's. Carolina's only clicking yeah. at 18% on the power play, and they've had mm-hmm. like a ton of power plays in these playoffs, especially against the mm-hmm. Islanders. So the special teams battle is going to be pretty interesting to watch. And Florida's penalty kill doesn't have to be elite to shut down that power play, but their power play is going to have to find ways to capitalize against Carolina's penalty kill. Agreed. I 100% agree. Nate, you didn't give a chance to give your con. So if you have a con for Carolina going into the series, I would love you to give that now, and then we'll throw it over to Aaron to talk about Florida. Shit, sorry. I just jumped right in there, didn't I? I guess... Fine, I yeah, guess cool. really, I guess really, I, I mean, and, and I'm being nitpicky here because I had to think about this for a long time. There was not, there's nothing that stands out to me as a con for this team. I guess my only con is if something happened, if something were to happen to Freddie Anderson, whether that be injury or whether that be he gets cold, I don't know, have we, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know if we've seen Auntie Ranta in this playoffs yet. Um, he's three and two. He's yeah, he, he started off that series against the Islanders until Freddie was Did he? Did he? Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. I, I couldn't remember if it was him. I couldn't remember if we had Freddie the entire time, but still. Um, all right, so, was, you know. It was a boring series, Nate. Don't feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody so was wanting to watch there that. Was a lot, there was a lot better series out there. But anyway, so, again, all this time off, what, you know, if something happens to Freddie, if Freddie goes cold, what, is, what does Ronta look like coming back? That's that's my only, I guess, con. And that's and. Fair. And really, I, that's just kind of a what if, really. I no, that's that's fair. I think that Auntie Ranta is the least of the worries there. He was good against the Islanders, he, and behind that defense, man, anyone's gonna look great. Are you saying Are you saying I'm fucking dumb, Aaron? Or I'm not saying just, I'm not just, saying you're dumb. Just, I'm I'm just saying that there's one other guy. There's there's the least of their concerns there. <laughs> I I shouldn't have said least of their concerns. There's one. Hey, yeah. There's you one other asshole. guy. Yeah, sorry, bud. I I get carried away sometimes. Yeah, I think you do. I think that Sebastian Ajo getting injured would be way more disastrous than Freddie right. Anderson. Oh, okay, okay. Oh my well, god. Well, yeah. If Sebastian Ajo got hurt, that'd be a huge fucking con. Jesus. If Brett Burns got hurt, that'd be a huge fucking con too. God. Okay, Aaron. If we were to throw out that kind of shit. I was actually trying to think hard about this. Aaron's out here t- picking the easiest shit possible. Fuck uh, out of here. I just think, dude, the 
they have great scoring depth. Their top end scoring is still kind of depleted. Tara Vinen coming back helps, but it's if they lose one of their top scores, Aho or like you said, Nate, there Burns on the back end who's driven a lot of offense for them. That could be a big problem because they're they're a workmanlike group. They're big time up and down the lineup scoring, like do it all by committee, but you still need those elite playmakers to work when the going gets tough. And this Florida Panthers team, if we want to transition to talking about them and their pros and cons, it's, they have been very, very good at defending their own end. Brandon one Montour, last one other real quick, Aaron, one yeah, center that I, one center on, on um, Carolina that I think could even, could have even a potential, not from a playmaking standpoint or what he does from a team, but what he does that's not really noticed. If if you were to lose Jordan Stahl, yeah, that's a good one there. Jordan Stahl is a huge key. He, I mean, you saw what he did to Jack Hughes in that Devil series. I mean, yeah. he 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 virtually eliminated him from that. Yeah, that boys boys. No matter who wins the series, a stall a stall brother is going to be going to the yeah Battle of the Stalls. Yep. Yeah. We got two on Florida, Mark and Eric, and then we got uh, good old Jordan holding it down there in Raleigh. It's yeah. Yeah, you're right, though, Nate. He is such a key player for that team, and he's a big reason why Rod Brindamore's home record with the Hurricanes in the playoffs is so goddamn good. By he, the way, Aaron, Aaron, it's funny you bring up Rod Brindamore. Sorry, continue. No, go ahead. I, I, well, I can I can continue all day. I, I want you to get your thought out. No, Rod Brindamore uh, went to the 2002, was uh, coached by Paul Maurice in 2002 when he was in Carolina, and now he's going up against him in uh, – the Easter Conference Final in 2023, like fucking crazy wild. how, fucking crazy how life works like that, right? Like Paul Maurice mentored him when he was a coach, and you know Rod Brindamore <clears throat> had just gotten to Carolina and he wasn't really settled in here yet, and he was like, Jesus Christ, you got to go play hockey in the South, like holy fuck, and you know ends up winning Lord Stanley's Cup here, as we all know. But I thought that would be fun. But Aaron, take it away. Give me all of your Florida Panthers rundown. Before and then... we go there, Phil, you just sparked the memory of something I wanted to bring up on this podcast. We didn't really give New Jersey a proper postmortem. I don't think we're going to get too much into them, but I they didn't put up enough of a fight to warrant. I am just gutted for Lindy Ruff. Did you guys see his press conference after they lost the series? It was heartbreaking. Back in, uh, I think it was 06 when the Canes won the cup, they played the Sabres in the Eastern Conference Final, and Lindy Ruff was the coach there. And in that final game of that series, they lost the game, the Sabres did, on a power play that was prompted by a puck over glass in Raleigh. The New Jersey Devils lost the series in Game 5 in overtime on a power play that was prompted by a puck over glass penalty in Raleigh. And he brought yeah. it up in the post-game press conference. He's like, man, this is the second time I've lost a chance to really go far in the playoffs. In this building, on that same penalty, it's like... You, you couldn't feel worse for the guy. He's, he's been in this league for so long. He's a great coach. It's it's just crazy that that same exact thing knocked him out of the playoffs here all these years later against the same team Dude, in the same building. And it was brutal, too. As soon as he went over the, over the glass, I was chilling at Caswell Station. I'm like, they're done. Yeah. It's over. It's over. Like, you knew right then and there. I'm like, it's over. They're not going to squander this. And sure enough, you, you do feel for Lindy Roth. And, and I will say... Aaron, I, you know, I respect you bringing up the Devils here. I don't think they deserve much of a postmortem given what they put up in that. No, I, uh, I we can get into like offseason talk about them later. Yeah, but respect, respect to Jack Hughes. They still have goaltending problems, even though you know Schmidt got hot and he got cold. Whatever. Respect to Jack Hughes. We'll see if they end up bringing Timo Meyer back. They have a good core. Luke Hughes will be really good in the future. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Carolina dispensed them like there was nothing there. They they so. overachieved this season, and the future oh, yeah. is very bright in New Jersey. This, if you're a Devils fan, you're feeling great about the way this season went, even though the ending kind of sucked. Like you did not expect to be here when at this season get, started. At least they get to flip off the Upper East Side for the next year. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, have fun in have fun in Hoboken, boys. No yeah, shit. Aaron, take take her away. Dude, the Florida Panthers, I already mentioned their forecheck. Their, their forecheck wreaks havoc. But the Hurricanes have a hell of a forecheck of their own. They honestly have the best forecheck in the NHL. It's not just simple go in and 
bear down on people and try to like get off there the puck there's like layers to it and people shifting and positions going side to side strong side weak side it's it's gonna throw a wrench in florida's defense i think in their in their breakouts but their defense has really really impressed me down the stretch and in the playoffs based on what i've seen earlier in the year brandon montour we all know he's had a career year he has gone from just an offensive dynamic guy to an elite offensive defenseman to also being responsible in his own zone and being able to break the puck out all right he's going to be challenged with this canes forecheck but i think he he has really come a long way and he's a very valuable member of that defense now and goal prevention as well as goal scoring um the biggest factor in this for me is going to be how does florida get to the blue paint in carolina's end because they just did it all over the place against an injured Boston squad and a baby shit soft Toronto squad. And now they're going up against a team that makes their money defending the blue paint and defending that area in front of the net, the house, the cross crease passes. They pressure you all over the place in their own zone. And when you're trying to break out of your zone, Carolina is relentless. Aaron said, bring your fucking big boy pants. The Toronto is the Toronto Pampers Maple Leafs. Yeah, no the sun, shit, the man. Sun, the Sunbury Blueberry Bulldogs. The, the Panthers <laughs> beat the fucking Pampers there in that series, I gotta say. Fucking right. But a big a big part of their success, too, has been the resurgence of Sergei Bobrovsky because there were a couple games there where Toronto outplayed them. They outshot them. They outchanced them. They controlled the pace of play pretty much throughout the entire game. And Sergei Bobrovsky just stood on his head, man. This guy is having a complete resurgence in this postseason. He's looking like the guy that won two Vesna trophies. He really helps a lot when you don't play half the fucking regular season. Exactly. Well, that's what I was going to get into here, Nate. So since he went to Florida, man, he's never put up numbers like this. And he got the start in game four against Boston, took a game to kind of warm up, didn't have a great time there. But since that point, man, he is 7-1-0. And he's got a 928 save percentage. He is just absolutely locking it down in there. And a lot of it, I think, is because he's getting rest. Like, that Toronto series, he got a couple days off between the first couple games. Now he's got a long break because they dispatched him in five. And they had to wait for the Western Conference series to end before they could start the second round. He, he should be rested and ready to go. But whether or not he looks like this... Because this is not going to be a short series, boys. I, I think this is going to be very back and forth. I think this is going six or seven. If Sergei Bobrovsky still looks like this after playing every other day for over a week, then I'm willing to say, like, all right, Bob's back. He's got it. But uh, if not, man, I, I do think it some fatigue might start to kind of creep in there. And towards the end of the series, we may see Bob start to get a little overwhelmed because... This is also not a series where he's going to be able to just sit back on his laurels. Florida's pretty good in their own end, don't get me wrong, but Carolina has completely controlled shot attempts throughout these playoffs. They're over 53% in shot attempts for, and Florida is just under 50%. And so Bob's going to have a lot of work to do. Even if these shots don't get through, he's still squaring up to the puck, going side to side, working himself to make saves. And it's, it might kind of wear him down a little bit, I think. Um, I, I guess I kind of start off with the cons here for Florida. There are a lot of pros. Brandon Montour, I already mentioned him. He has been awesome offensively. Matthew Kachuk is a I was force. worried that his, I was worried that his, and you know, I mean, definitely to cut you off, but not to cut you off, Aaron. Cut me off. I was definitely, I was definitely worried about his production going into playoffs. Like, is this guy going to be, you know, he has his first really big season. Is he going to be able to do it? And I don't necessarily mean going into the Boston series because I didn't really have much uh, anticipation for Florida. I thought they'd be gone pretty fucking quickly. And Brandon Montour went right off into the sunset of 2022-2023 as he had a great regular season. We'll see what 2023-2024 brings. He's performing in playoffs and he's putting up fucking numbers. And he's, you know, he had, you know he, he's already had multi-goal games. He's had, you know, three-point games. Brandon Montour has been a revelation for the not only the blue line of the Florida Panthers, but also on the opposing blue line, whipping fucks around and taking shots. So, and then getting crashed in the net and, you know, getting grimy goals. So, uh, just when you said his name, I had to hop in there because I was like, dude, that was one guy that I looked at. And I'm like, 
Brendan Montour has been incredible for the Florida Panthers. I don't think they're in this series against Carolina without it. And it's it's big, too, because Florida has not got a lot out of Aaron Ekblad. He was their first overall pick back in 2014. He's a very solid two-way defenseman, but the offensive game has never really developed, and especially not this year. So Montour allows Ekblad to really just focus on working in his own end, eliminating other chances. He's not pressured to produce offense or work on the power play that much. And it, it kind of frees up a little bit of a balance on that blue line. And then you got Radko Gudis out there headhunting and screaming in goalies' faces as well. So, you know, good for him. That fucking photo at the end of the yeah. at the end of the Toronto series was incredible. Oh, like yeah. like like a Viking about to murder the Danish king. Yep. Yeah, he's he's a fucking wild card, man. Let's not forget, this is the same guy who blew out Sean Couturier's knee in practice when they were both playing with the Flyers and pretty much ended their season. Like, he, you never know what the hell you're getting from him, but he's a wrecking ball for both teams, basically. But yeah. it's, you know, that's a guy you like to have on your team. He's willing to run through a wall. Speaking of running through a wall, though, Matthew Kachuk, man, he's now second in scoring in playoffs now that Edmonton's been eliminated. They had three guys in the top five, I believe, That's for playoff scoring. Stu- That's stupid. Dude. Yeah, and where the hell are they now? Because nobody else on their team showed up. It, fuck them. Exactly. We'll get to them later. Um, but yeah, dude, he Matthew Kachuk has done everything for them, man. He didn't really do it with the goal scoring in that Toronto series, but he still had assists. He was still getting it on the forecheck. He was mixing it up in front of the net, causing that chaos that you really need for that Florida Panthers offense to click. And one more guy that I want to highlight here. Carter Verhage, man, is this guy clutch or what? He's leading the Panthers with three game-winning goals in the playoffs. He has five goals altogether. He is the offensive catalyst on that top line now. Alexander Barkov is able to just hang back and help out the D and just cover that into the ice and rely on Verhage to do what he does best, which is just quick release, rip the puck towards the net or set up other guys. So I and when, you, and when you pair and when you pair him up with Anthony Duclair, like they they've got enough speed up there to you know keep defenses pretty busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that line definitely the offensive is driven from the wings. Duclair, I, I like that you pointed him out, Nate. He's he's kind of coming on now as he's getting. He's under he's an under the radar guy. He's not been he's not a huge point producer, which you know you I feel like a guy with his kind of speed, you'd almost want to see that a little bit more. Um, but then again, you know, he plays his role and he plays it well. Yeah. And let's not forget he's coming off that Achilles injury too. So he's, he's still kind of getting up to speed and it it looks like he's starting to round into form here now too. Well, and you know, honestly, they've got, they've got an anchor on pretty much all four lines. You've got, you've got those, you know, that top line, the second line, you know, your second line two, you know, one B, whatever. You got Bennett and Kachuk there, and Cousins has been a nice piece. You know, Bennett, just... Bennett's a fucking nightmare to play against. Dude, that yeah. whole line is a nightmare to play against. Yeah, but... Cousins, Cousins is in the right space at the right time. They're all physical as hell. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That third line, you've got Sam Reinhart, who's been a just fucking pit bull out there, out there in these last two series. Yeah, I I mentioned wanting more from him. Uh, I believe it was like a week or two ago, and he has really delivered, man. He he is <coughs> lighting it up now, providing depth scoring on that third line. Yep, and a, and a guy that we talked about a long time ago in the regular season, but E2 lose to Reinen's been, been a great presence there. And then that fourth line, anchored by a stall. Anchored that's by all a you, stall. That, that's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. Eric Stahl anchoring that fourth line center. And Aaron, like you pointed out, Brandon Montour has been huge. Um, you know, Mark Stahl's been out there killing it on their defense. You know, just being a fucking body. That's all he is, is a fucking body. Big PK um, guy. Yeah, big PK guy. Forsling's been pretty good as well. I've been I've been thoroughly impressed with Forsling yeah. throughout this playoffs, too. Yeah, under the radar. Um, does anybody have anything else? Just kind of overarching stuff here? I was gonna throw it to Nathan, you than me. Everybody, just give an X factor. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't elaborate. Just give it. We're we're gonna go X factor. We're gonna go around the horn, and then we're gonna do series prediction around the horn, and then we're gonna go to the Western Conference. Love it. Because we could spend way too much time on this, and people don't want to listen for three and a half hours. 
Nate, we'll start with you. X Factor in the series, and then go to Aaron, and then go to me, and then we'll uh, we'll do the reverse. We'll do a snake draft, and then I'll go who wins the series, and we'll do a snake draft that way. Me, then Aaron, then Nate. So, Nate, you first. X Factor, brother. X Factor, Brett Burns. Love it. I love it. Aaron, who do you got? Oh, X Factor, I got Alexander Barkov. Barkov's a good one. I'm going to go with Freddie Anderson, man. If he keeps playing like this, good luck. Good luck to the Florida Panthers. Uh, I'm going to take the Carolina Hurricanes. Here I am. <clears throat> rocking like a hurricane. Okay, speaking of, the of can- making a three-hour podcast, let's just sing a whole song. <laughs> I'm, taking the, I'm taking the Canes in seven, boys. Canes in seven. All right, Aaron, so I, I hate to follow suit here. I think I'm going the same. Canes in seven, man. Every home team wins. I'm I'm sticking to it. Rod Brindamore, home ice. It's not that bad to travel though. From here to Fort Lauderdale, it's only like I don't a care about the travel. It's touch. all about no, the line matching. That's all it is. Get that mm-hmm. stall line out against that Kachuk line. That's that's what matters. All right, Nate. What do you got, buddy? Who wins the series? Canes in six. Canes in six. All right, all right we're all going six. All right, we're all going Canes. I love it. I love it, guys. Let's transition over. And that means Florida's going to win since we all picked the Canes. Yeah, exactly. To to the sweaters you're both wearing. You both have you both have some Dallas Stars sweaters on. Boys, let's start with the Dallas Stars. Let's talk about it, man. They just got out of a gong show series with the Seattle Kraken. Um, Seattle put up a great fight, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the better team won. And now we have an incredible Dallas Stars team who's been great top to bottom in terms of scoring. I mean, Joe Pavel- Pavelski's missed five games, and he's still is putting up stupid numbers. And the rest of that team, top to bottom, has been great. Wyatt Johnson became the youngest player to ever score the game-winning series goal in a game seven. And to be honest, their weakest point's been Jake Ottinger, which is kind of bizarre, but he's 8-5 and five with like a 9.03 save percentage. He hasn't been that great. But in all reality, I mean, this team's been – you know, fighting adversity the whole time. They, you know, they played two tough series. You got Haskinen playing with a fucking fishbowl on his face. So, I mean, you know, outside of that, this team's been been fantastic, top to bottom with scoring. They're deep. Rupa Hintz has solidified himself as a superstar in this league. 19 points so far in playoffs. Just fucking ridiculous. Um, Robertson really doesn't have the goals, but he has the assists. He has 10 of them. He has 12 points so far. Um I don't know which one of you took the Dallas Stars as your team in this segment, but I think this team is rolling, and it's gonna it's gonna be very fun to watch them move forward. Yeah, I so I got the Stars here. Nate's got Vegas. Nate, I am so thrilled to see you move on over here from the Kraken and don the Dallas Stars jersey. Um, welcome aboard the train, dude. It's it's gonna be a fun ride. I. I got to push back a little on the Jake Ottinger thing, Phil. He has had a couple games where he's not looked great, but this guy has shown the ability to bounce back after every bad performance. He has not lost two games in a row in these entire playoffs, and he always comes back and just slams the door. That game seven, man, if it weren't for that garbage time goal against or with Oliver Bjorkstrand, it, yeah. it nothing was beaten that guy, man. He was dialed in. That's the biggest advantage Dallas has in this series is Jake Ottinger, in my opinion. Vegas, Aiden Hills looked good, but very limited action. So that they are built from the goaltending out Dallas is. But it's not just the goaltending, man. It's the fucking forwards, too. The Those forward lines, Vegas is deep, don't get me wrong, but Dallas is star power deep. Dallas has so much scoring up and down their lineup. Jason Robertson didn't score a goal in the last series, he had some assists, fine, but like they didn't even fucking need him to score, and they dispatched the Kraken. Like they, everybody in this lineup is going right now. Max Domi, he is looking electric, man. He is really finding his form in this Dallas system with Pete DeBoer guiding the ship. He is just doing some magic on the half wall, ripping passes across the seam. Wyatt Johnson and Rupe Hints both, I. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone score prettier goals in tight than those guys did in Game 7 there. They're just like, you get them close to the net, man, they can rip that puck away from the goalie and just roof it. They're, it's it's crazy to see the depth of scoring on this Dallas team. When they all show up, in those games against the Kraken, man, 
there were a few losses where not everybody showed up, but when they show up, man, they are a powerhouse. And it's really, really hard to pick against them. Also, special teams, man. Their power play, 31.7% clicking right now. Vegas' power play, 17.5%. And that's after a series against Edmonton who can't keep anything out of their net. Their penalty kill, 83.3%. That's third in the playoffs for Dallas. Vegas, 60%. Now, they did just face a historic power play, but they didn't look good against Winnipeg either, man. They let, like, a 23rd-ranked power play in the regular season just roast them. That that 4-1 Winnipeg comeback in the third period always sticks out of my mind on how how Vegas... They they close games out just fine, because Vegas' spine is fucking absurd, but... Their ability to kill off penalties and their ability to hold the lead at the end always makes me nervous. So, Aaron, I I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah, special teams is a big deal. Um, on the blue line, I'm just gonna throw this out here, then I'll throw it over to you guys. Dallas, I was questioning their blue line coming into this. I'm not gonna lie, the depth of it. Miro Haskinen is the best defenseman left in playoffs. I would say he is an absolute force on both ends of the ice. He's averaging over 20 minutes of ice, or 28 minutes of ice time per game. He does everything in his own end and offensively. He took that puck to the face, and we saw what happened in that Seattle series. I believe it was game six. He gets taken down the trainer's room, and Seattle scored all their goals while he was out. So he's a huge factor, but Thomas Harley has really stepped up and provided a reliable option in the second pair, a guy who can move the puck out of his own end, who can angle away rushes, and just be reliable. Ryan Suter, we've talked about him being a pylon. He has stepped it up in that Seattle series, man. I was very surprised. He was so much less of a liability than he looked like before, and Essa Lindell has looked pretty good too. So Dallas's defense, they're not as deep as Vegas, but they have the best player in the series, and their, their depth is starting to come along to what we would expect it to be, even though Vegas does have deeper talent and star power on the blue line. Yeah, I, Aaron, everything you just said, I, I think Dallas top to bottom is built like the kind of team that, you know, if they can put, they're going to need, they need one upset in, in a run, right? And they haven't had, they haven't had an upset yet. They, they're better than Minnesota and they're better than Seattle. This is their upset because I think top to bottom, Vegas is deeper than Dallas, which is crazy to say out loud. And I can't believe I'm saying that out loud right now, to be totally honest. But I do think that, top to bottom and I'm, I'm including the center depth look at the center depth of the, the vegas golden yeah, knights the center depth is the one thing better in vegas that concerns better me. better tendy better tendy in in dallas no question obviously aiden hill is extremely unproven granted he's the size of a fucking defensive end um but what worries me is that every d-man for vegas moves the puck and you know slings it around perfectly like perfectly for the league they play in dallas doesn't do that that's what they, scares they have me a, about they have a couple guys who can they, they have a guy in each pair that can sure but, but you're, all you're right six, you're right vegas all is six for running. vegas do yeah i wouldn't say all six uh, five out of six i vegas four. is I'd, I'd give him four all right fine either way vegas has more d depth and they're better at going forward than i think dallas is so that's just my opinion but you know, I'm sure we'll have a little controversy when it comes to uh, picking our picking our winners of the series. But Nate, let's throw it over to you, my guy. Uh, let's let's talk about those Vegas Golden Knights. The Las Vegas Golden Knights, yeah. So I mean, obviously the big the big story is your your top three right there. You know, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, and Jonathan Marsha Show. Um, so Eichel, 14 points, six goals, eight assists. He's your top goal scorer. Uh, I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys know this off the top of your heads, but I, I, I kind of wild here. Do you guys know what Eichel's average time on ice in this playoffs is? Sixteen thirty-seven. I'm gonna guess seventeen twenty-four. Jack Eichel's average time on ice right now is nineteen fifty-nine. Still under twenty. Damn, that does speak a lot to that is death. that is one that is one tick one tick below 20 minutes 
So yeah, it's under twenty. It's it's under twenty. Already. And he has and he has what fourteen points and fourteen points, yeah. six goals, eight assists. That's crazy. Yeah. He has that many points in that little ice time because usually your top center is running out like 23, 24 minutes a game. I thought it was going to be stupid low because it's about to get there, and they got like Chandler Stevenson behind him, and yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, he's he's. They even really got impressive. like Teddy. They got like Teddy Bluger on the fourth line, man. And Teddy Bluger's seen and done it all, so like they have so much fucking depth down the middle. He's been a lot better in Vegas than he was in Pittsburgh, man. He was dog shit in oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, he, he needed to get revitalized, much like uh, Evgeny Dadunov. You know, yeah, playing it. You know, in playoffs, too, he's so. got nine points for the Stars in playoffs. So Nate, I'm sorry, continue, but. But yeah, like it's just it's just crazy that you know a change of scenery. What could happen to guys? Yeah. Um, so then you're looking at Stoner, twelve points, five Genos, seven assists. What do you think his average time on ice is? I would bet it's more than Eichel. I might be wrong though. I, Phil, I'm gonna say I'm gonna twenty-one go. minutes. With that bad back. And the fact that Nate's bringing it up, it's probably going to go over. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go 1845. 1935. Damn. Yeah. With that bad back, still rocking, still rocking close to 20 minutes. Um, do, we, so, do we think Ryan Suter blows his back up? Oh, dude. I would, He's going to try. He is. He absolutely is going to give it his damnedest shot. Um, third highest, or, you know, and then you got Stevenson and, Mar- and Marsha Show both tied with 10 for 10 point or with 10 points stevenson six genos four assists marchi five and five um you know other players of note petrangelo seven seven points in the series all by assists seven assists he's averaging 24 minutes on ice there's only one other defenseman that's averaging 20 minutes right now and uh, it's shea theodore everyone else under 20 yeah uh, that's so that's that's obviously my concern area for them. Braden McNabb has not been great. He's been okay. Martinez has been all right, solid. Um, I, that third pair, Hag White Cloud, I think they're the they're the most solid duo that they have out there. And it's and, and there's just one piece of the other two that doesn't seem to be matching well. Yeah. Um. But other than that, like Car- Carlson's out. Carlson's rocking. I, you know, from your what is he rocking now? Your third line center, eight points as well. So your three centers are really killing it right now, leading the way for this team. And that, like you guys have been saying, that's their strength, their center depth. It's yeah, your wing. It's your it's your wings where like on your second line or you know, first line you got Eichel, Marsha Show, and Bar- Ivan Barbashev. Um, Stevenson, Stevenson, Stone, Brett Howden, Carlson, Roy, Riley Smith. You know, it's just it, it, it's okay. It's not great. By the way, it, I oh Nate, I'm sorry. Continue. It's all good. Um, I still no word on Brassois. So you know, yet you're still rocking with Aiden Hill. He's three three and one in this playoffs. Nine thirty four save per. Percentage that's nothing to be upset about. Yeah, 2.19 goals allowed average. Um, and guys, quality save percentage of 66.7. Yeah, that is chef's kiss. He's you he's love been that very good in that small sample size. I'm I'm kind of scared that he's catching fire. Yeah, and, and and you know what the crazy thing is is you know you could say man well you know they're going up against Dallas's offense well they just faced Edmonton's offense so what else are you gonna what are you gonna throw at them that Edmonton can't besides a little more depth that's that's exactly what they're gonna throw at them Edmonton they had to have one set of guys locked in to shut down McDavid and Drysital nobody else had to do shit. Everybody else got to just go out and have fun and score against Edmonton's bad people. Dallas can score all up and down the lineup. Phil, this is the Edmonton. No, this is this is the Edmonton funeral. This is me. Yeah, saying R.I.P. I watched Game Six, boys, and uh, I watched it in full. Had a blast doing it. In fact, uh, other than I was rooting for Edmonton because I wanted the Game Seven because I like chaos, as we all do here at Barely Hockey. But. I thought this was the Canadians' year. I really did. I thought this was a Canadian team's year to at least make it to the Cup final. But yeah, tease them, cock tease them a little bit, you know. Oh, yeah. dead. 
And yeah, they no, just it, couldn't it, play five-on-five, five, dude. They they leaned on that power couldn't. play way too much. If McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't on the ice, not shit was happening for them. They're like, they're like somebody breaking the Major League Baseball home run record in a season, but the team is ass. That's what Edmonton was. They are the best power play that ever existed statistically. Nobody will argue that. It's true. The numbers prove it's true, and in playoffs, it was even more true, which just further solidifies how great it was. That being said, watching game six, Aiden Hill let in two on his first two shots and then decided that he was going to go prime time 2012 con Smythe Jonathan Quick on their ass and just absolutely took over the game. Edmonton couldn't get anything going. They were ripping pucks on net, but like nothing was getting through and it, no shot was really – there were a few high-danger saves, but in all reality – I mean, Jesus Christ. The McDavid goal was filthy because he basically looked away as he shot it. But other than that, the rest of the game, Aiden Hill just had had their number. Throughout that and whole series, I, I, too, it's just Edmonton could not penetrate five on five like they couldn't. It's they, they were all on the outside and trying to force rushes. Sorry, Phil, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You know, we all do it to each other, and I got a fucking train going right by my apartment. So, oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah, no worries. Yeah, you know, welcome to the South, boys. <laughs> um, no, I'm. I wanted to give a little bit of a funeral because I didn't want to give a funeral to Seattle because they way outplayed what anybody thought. Edmonton deserves a little bit of one, so I think we've done a proper job in burying them. I feel bad for Connor McDavid. And I feel bad for Leon Draisaitl because their front office fucks them royally every year. They have decent players around them in terms of their forward play. Uh, the blue line has about two and a half decent players that's and, that's what i was just i'm giving against dude i'm Ekholm giving was, i'm giving yeah ekholm was not good in that series he was so no. good up until that point he just mm-hmm. vegas's forecheck and their their waves of depth and pressure man he he had some bad turnovers oh dude he looked he looked out of his depth he looked out of his depth and that's brutal because i consider him a top 20 defenseman in the league no questions asked in regular season play. So I expected better out of him. And maybe maybe I'm out of my depth in, you know, presuming his status in the league. But I don't know. I think he was worth what they gave up for him, and I think he was worth what they brought in, or he was worth bringing in. And now, you know, <laughs> we're looking at Edmonton going for another rebuild on the blue line, and I mean, Skinner's a rookie, but either way, the point I, is, yeah. RIP to the Edmonton Oilers, RIP, we will get into this, and in, in, like you said earlier, Aaron, we'll get into this in the offseason. We can have an offseason episode burying every team that died and didn't win the Cup. I got um, words for Darnell Nurse and his dog shit $9 million cap hit. That guy fucking yeah. blows. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's absolutely brutal. It is. That's a really bad contract. Um, Boys... Do we have any final thoughts before we go to X Factors and series winners here? I just think dude, because Dallas... there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of shit to unpack. And what's what we think is going to be the more entertaining of the two series, correct? I I would say so. I I think they're both going to be entertaining. I think this series has a lot more star power and scoring potential, but it also has better goaltending too. And the other series is just like muck it up and pressure the shit out of your opponent so it's it's going to be a defensive battle versus uh like all fronts i think i'm calling it right now the west is winning the stanley cup like there's no question about it both of these teams are so much better in all areas of the game i can't wait to have this convo i can't wait for this convo yeah whoever comes out of this series is winning the cup 100 i think I'll, I'll give a little precursor. I think Florida dies, even if they win this series. I think the Carolina Hurricanes can beat anyone. They're built to beat anyone. I think defensively, they're good enough to put up a seven-gamer against anybody. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, they are. Defensively, they're good, but, like, they they can't match the scoring of the other team. Like, they can't score, but but yet they've done it enough. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've scored enough. But, Phil... They have not faced any team with the offensive firepower of either of these squads or the depth. You're going to need three Jordan Stahl lines to shut down either of these teams. They've got three first lines on both these teams. Uh, they do. But we'll get there. Yeah. If the, if the 
if the Canes get there, we'll get to my opinion on one of the two teams that they will be going up against. Yeah. Um, so, my, my one let's... final thought, though, I, I was going to say, Dallas, like, dispatched Seattle because Seattle is deep. They got We talked about four second lines. Vegas is Seattle on steroids. They're very deep, but they actually have scoring and star power down that lineup. So it's it's going to be a big task for Dallas to get through this. It's it's going to be a lot harder yeah. than the Seattle series. I I agree with you there 100. percent Nate, do you have any final thoughts before we hop into the uh, X factors and predictions here, my guy? No, dude. I have no other final thoughts for Vegas for Dallas. Let's get into it. Let's do it. We'll start with me for X Factor, and then go to Aaron, then Nate, and then we'll snake back. How does that work? He said, "He said no, 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 me first. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time we went you first and me last, so I figured that would be the most fair. Phil said, I got some, some things to say with you people. So now you're going to hear about it. No, uh, my X Factor in this series is going to be Jason Robertson as he put the fuck in the back of the net. I like that. Yeah, he, he needs <laughs> That's to huge. That's huge. Yeah, and I don't think you can contain him for more than one series. My X factor here is going to be Thomas Harley. Can he anchor that second pairing and compete with Vegas's D depth? He's if he's coming to his own that Seattle series. If he can keep growing, man, the the sky's the limit for this kid. They could have two Haskins on this Dallas team before it's all said and done. If, if he can continue to develop, I I like Dallas a lot. What do you think, Nate? My X factor is going to be Aiden Hill. What's the what's yeah. what's the kid what's the kid look like? Like that's a lot is a lot for Vegas is riding on this kid's performance. Again, you do have Jonathan Quick, uh, you know, yeah. a, a proven Stanley Cup winner back there, but that dude has been sitting for a long time. Granted, he could probably come in and just you know s- step in and do fine, but maybe he's Sergey Bobrovsky. Maybe that was a rest he needed. Maybe, but. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. So Aiden Hill. Yep, I like it. All right, all right, Nate. Series winner. What do we got? Going Dallas in seven. I'm going Dallas in six. Boys, for the first time tonight, we're not going to agree. He's going I, Vegas. I, I knew this was coming from the very beginning. I. I fucking hate myself for doing this. I tweeted the other day how I hate that Seattle and Vegas are making these big playoff runs so early in their careers. Or their franchise histories, I guess, not careers. I hate myself for doing this. I have a weird fucking feeling that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to make it back to the Stanley Cup final because they're, like I said earlier, their spine is ungodly good. If they can eviscerate Edmonton in six, I think they can handle Dallas in seven. I think Dallas is better than Edmonton. But are they two games better? I don't know. Oh, yeah. They're two lines Uh, better. You know what? Uh, They are, but they have to produce. And I think Vegas right now, we may be running into the hot tendy. We're definitely running into the best blue line that Dallas has played so far. And this Vegas team can fucking score. So I'm gonna go Vegas in seven. Also, how does Petrangelo how does Petrangelo feel after getting beat up after that last series, you know? This is this is gonna be a physical series as well. Yeah, um, sure. I, I, I think that's absolute another, absolute gonchos. Just, sorry, we're I'll hop back in one last point too. Like uh, you know, I don't think that series with Edmonton was very physical for Vegas and to be honest, I don't know how I, uh, come on, dude. Oh, well, it, come at on. least for Petrangelo, because he was getting for for, Petra- for Petrangelo yeah. was, <laughs> maybe, but for maybe the rest not for of the whole team. You're right. Maybe not not for the whole team. This is gonna be this entire team is gonna get put into the boards. Dallas has a heavy forecheck. They can they can put they can put you up against the boards. They can keep you in their, your own zone. Yeah, this so, is the yeah. first forechecking team that Vegas has really faced. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I would, uh, you I would. know. I would have taken Rupe. I would have taken Rupe hits as my X factor in this series had he not been playing so fucking well the entire time. Yeah, dude, he's he's so <laughs> goddamn good. He's so dude. good. Ha- hashtag Rumpies for Rupe. Rumpies for Rupe, boys. Every time he scores a goal, Dallas takes a shot. 
It's the greatest, greatest comeback story. Well, not comeback, progression story in the history of progression stories. Yeah. I, I, I don't like, know. I'll, I like that transition to progression story. That was a nice one there. For yeah. Me. I don't know. I don't know. I've had a few, I've had a few cervezas and sometimes the brain is mush on Thursday night. So That's I'm also awesome. very, I'm also very excited for, for this, you know, these series and I'm about to go meet up with the boys and go watch Canes. And uh, by the way, they all asked, oh, are you bandwagoning the Canes? No. I'm rooting for the Canes because I don't care about the other three teams in playoffs, and I live here now, so I'll support your team. But am I bandwagoning the Canes? No, I'm a Columbus Blue Jackets fan to the day I fucking die. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's how it fucking works. No Pascal Vincent. Bring in Peter Laviolette. <laughs> I, I do want Peter Laviolette. I, I, like, I was just about to say we should just throw a little shout-out here. Hopefully next time we record, we know who our coach is going to be. I, I would rather have Vincent than Babcock. I would rather have Laviolette we than won't. anyone. We won't. Uh, they, I, I saw a tweet that announced the Blue Jackets said they won't ha- be announcing a coach this week. Um, the announcement, they have an interview set up next week, so the announcement won't come till at least uh, uh, fucking, um, what's his name, Yarmo comes back from... Oh, the Worlds. Yeah. yeah. He, he had made this comments is, that he wanted to like try and get it handled before he left, but apparently they're... This is, they're fucking, the this is fucking hand jobs and hand grenades, boys. Yeah. Hand jobs and hand grenades. All right. We'll see. Boys. Boys, that should just about wrap up this episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast. Nate, we'll throw it to you. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, end this motherfucker? I got nothing. Enjoy your fucking hockey, you assholes. I got got one thing here. Pete DeBoer, every time he gets hired as a coach, he lights it up. New Jersey, first season, they missed the playoffs the year before. He takes them to the cup final. San Jose, missed the playoffs the year before, takes them to the cup final. Vegas, they lost in Game 7 the year before. He got hired mid-season, so really not even a full season there. Takes him to the Western Conference Final, and I think he's going to make it 3-4 for four here, boys. He's taking Dallas to the Cup Final first season there. Oh, I do, I do have one thing. Fuck Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, that guy's a dick, but he's a hell of a coach, man. He, he took fucking bag of milk Jay Woodcroft's lunch money in that last series, man. He made a couple adjustments. Edmonton couldn't do anything in Vegas' own end on five. Dude, on five. Jay Jay Woodcroft looks like he like gets cucked by his wife. And the, the craziest thing is he's the best coach Edmonton's had in years. <laughs> Not saying a lot for your franchise. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Uh, have fun, Oilers. Sorry yeah, about your your, you know duct tape and bubblegum roster. But let's get the fuck out of here, guys. Yeah, Damn, yeah. you're just yeah, talking to talk. Hey. Okay, so I'm not allowed to have a final We're thought. We're just talking Nate. shit. Yeah, oh, what's you your are. final thought, oh, Phil? Yeah, I want to hear it. Aaron, well, Aaron's just talking. Sorry, Phil. I, I didn't know that you hadn't done your. Aaron's just oh. talking just to hear himself fucking I, talk. My final thought is my final thought is uh, I feel really gross for picking Vegas to win this series. But uh, am I rooting for Dallas? Yes, I am. But do I think Vegas wins it in seven because God hates the Blue Jackets? Also, yes. So. Part of me just feels really disgusted by taking that, but I had to do it, boys, and I apologize to all the Blue Jackets fans out there or Minnesota Wild fans. Shout out to the boys at SodaPod. Um, expansion Brothers, they had to come in with an, a diluted expansion draft, not knowing that the NHL would give you a full expansion draft to yourself. You know, it does feel kind of dirty. But for all the listeners out there, make sure you go out there and check out Beerly Sports on Instagram before we sign off. Check out the merch store. Go out there and grab some motherfucking t-shirts. Uh, also, we do have the t-shirts that say Batman Hates Us. So if you are a Blue Jackets or a Ducks fan, or you are a friend of a Blue Jackets or Ducks fan, or you just really like Nate and want to send him a t-shirt, by all means, uh, those shirts I'll never are say no to a free t-shirt. God damn right. So those are all available for you guys online. So please go check them out at Beerly Hockey on Twitter or at Beerly Sports on Instagram. We are the vastly superior Beerly sports podcast as everybody knows uh i'm getting chirped by carrie by the way on twitter right now about hockey takes and i just want to like throw him through a fucking meat grinder carrie just like throws it all out there man he's he's just throwing shit at the wall he's he's an absolute put put carrie through a goddamn window one of these days Uh, carrie i do have to be solidarity patriots fan with you once football season starts but i'll talk some shit for now Hey, they'd love to have you on the Beerly Football Podcast. Make sure you guys go check that out if you're NFL fans as well. 
That'll wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast for Nate McBride and Aaron Kenny. I'm your host, Bill Razor, saying Beerly Hockey. Here as well with Brewskies. Hell of a conference final broadcast, boys. <laughs>